I'd like to talk for a few minutes this morning about the faith that God gives us. It's really special. It's really a blessing. It's a wonderful blessing for the child of God. It truly is a gift from God. We'll also look at uh, a couple of examples and we'll uh, present the question, uh, do you have faith? And uh, we'll do a little, uh, little test or a little checklist to see if you might have faith. The songwriter says in... Uh, hymn number 183, I'll read the song, and it describes the great blessing of having faith and how that faith sustains us and sees us through as we journey along. When the Lord bids us walk in the valley of woe, we would falter and fall by the way. Were it not for our faith, ever strong to press on, till we get to the brightness of day. If our pathway be rough as we journey along, then our faith makes us look far ahead. For the light that e'er shines on a road that is smooth, where our footsteps forever may tread. Now our faith is an anchor to which we may cling, all secure till the tempest is done. Walk by faith and not sight in obedience to God, for tis thus that our victory is won. In 2 Corinthians, the reference that was made to walking by faith is actually here in 2 Corinthians. And it's sort of just tucked away right here in the middle of a wonderful chapter. And the chapter starts out and Paul is telling us, well, he ends up in the fourth chapter. He tells us that it's the faith that we have that God gives us, the hope that we have, the faith that we have, that keeps us from fainting, from giving up. He says, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's through the faith that God gives us that we're able to even be renewed or understand the promises and hopes that God gives us. And then he comes down and he, he starts out in chapter 5 and he begins to talk about heaven and he's beginning to shift our focus to heaven. We enjoy thinking about heaven. We enjoy singing about heaven. We look forward to the day that we'll live in heaven. And so he gives us a little bit to think on, to meditate upon. And he says, for we know that if our earthly house, that's this outward body, he says, of this tabernacle, we're dissolved. He says, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He says, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. 
So it begins to tell us that while we're here on this earth, that there's a lot of things that cause us to groan, to moan, to get discouraged, to have difficulty along the way. But he said, as we're journeying along, let's remember that we have heaven to look forward to. And let's remember that these earthly bodies are here, but for a season, but our spiritual body is going to be in heaven forever with the Lord. And all the things that accompany this earthly existence that we have here will be put behind us. But then right here in the middle of this chapter, he just sort of inserts this verse right here about faith. He is describing heaven to us, but he, then he, he, he just sort of plugs this in right here. He starts out in verse 6 and he says, Therefore we, always, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And he says, and he just plugs this in, For we walk, that means we live, we exist, we get through the day, we get through this life, we walk by faith. It's interesting right here. He doesn't say we sit down and simply let faith take us through this life. But he says that as we're walking, as we're living, as we're abiding, as we're experiencing all the challenges of this life, we have something that's going to help us in a great deal get through it. And as Brother Cook described it, it is a gift from God. So he says right here that we walk by faith and not by sight. And then Paul goes back and he begins to shift back to the former way of thinking. He says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the, with the Lord. He, Paul is saying that I understand that we're still here for a season. He says, and I understand that when we're absent in the body, we're present with the Lord. And Paul goes on to say right here, and he begins to firm it up again in Philippians chapter one. He says, as far as I'm concerned, he says, I understand that where I'm going is far better. As far as I'm concerned, I'd rather just go on and be with the Lord. And as our journey gets difficult, I think that it makes us long to be with the Lord more and more. And our attachments and enticements to this earth are less and less as we get closer and closer to our eternal home. Now, Brother Cook mentioned the blessing of the gift of faith. Here's where faith begins in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, he tells us here, But the fruit of faith is not what causes us to get eternal life, nor is faith what causes us to be able to obtain or have the Spirit. But faith shows us something. In fact, Brother Cook, in your prayer, I appreciate that you mentioned 
that we're delivered in our mind through our sin, I'm putting it in my words, because of the faith that God has given us. So faith is the result of something. And here's what he says right here. But the fruit of the Spirit, that means the offspring of the Holy Spirit. When you go out to pick peaches or apples or oranges off of a tree, that is the fruit that is born by that particular tree. So he tells us right here that here is some of the offspring of the Spirit of God. Now he tells us here that the fruit of the Spirit, we understand in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, that the, that the Spirit of God is a, another gift from God. And that that comes at the appointed time when God chooses to put his spirit within our lives. It happens at some point between conception and death that God plants his spirit within us. And the offspring of the spirit that God gives us is the fruit that comes. And and, and also then we bear fruit. But look at what he says right here. He says the the fruit, the offspring of the spirit of the, the Holy Spirit, of this indwelling spirit, of this spiritual birth that God gives his children is this. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness. And then it just simply right here tucked away in this description of fruits of the spirit is faith. So God blesses us with faith as a result of having the Spirit of God. You have to first have the Spirit of God dwelling within before we have faith. So let's look at a few examples right here. Let's go over to a chapter that really describes faith in great Detail In Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter is loaded with examples of folks in the Old Testament times, especially that lived their life and they were examples to others by the life that they lived and even by the death that they faced the trials and difficulties and struggles in their life. The evidence that God not only had blessed them with the Holy Spirit and that they were children of God, but that God blessed them with a tremendous blessing and gift of faith. And that's what this chapter is alluding to right here are all of the wonderful examples of faith. Now, he doesn't leave us to wonder, what is faith? What is it? We all that are here, I trust, have some measure or some degree of faith. What is it? It's described right here. Faith 
is the substance. So there's something to it. It's not just a wishful thinking. But there's actually some substance to faith. He says that it is the substance of things hoped for. And faith also, it's two things right here. It is a substance and also faith is an evidence of things. He says right here that are not seen. So faith serves as a substance of things hoped for. And it also serves for the believer, for the child of God, for the one that has been quickened by the Spirit of God. It serves two purposes. It is the substance of things hoped for on this side. And it is the evidence of things not seen. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It says, and I'm going to just scan through this, but it describes creation. It describes that God created the heaven and the earth. It describes that God said, let there be light. And there was light. It says that God created the stars. God created the seasons. God created every living beast. God, in the end, after everything else had been created, he created man. Now, let me ask you, do you believe that it happened? Everybody here can attest that they believe that it happened. Do you believe that God did it? How do you know? We weren't there when God created it. We weren't consulting with God or God consulting with us about creating this earth, about creating all that's in the earth. But we believe it. We have to have some degree of faith to believe that God created the heavens and the earth the way he said he did. But we also have in creation, when we look around, we see that there's evidence that God created the heavens and the earth. So we have faith that God did it, but we also have the evidence that God created the heavens and the earth, we see the earth, we see uh, all the, the uh, living things that God created. We see the sun, we go to the ocean, we see the, the massive ocean and how the Lord keeps it in his bounds. And it reminds us of the awesome power of God. But even those things that God created, 
We believe it because we, there, there's something on the inside that tells us that it's right. But we also have evidence of that. But now let me ask you something that we don't have the same degree of evidence, at least that we can see with our own eyes. In Luke chapter 2, we see that, and, and chapter 1, chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's, it's just loaded with miracles right here. I'm going to paraphrase this right here. But we see in God's Word that there was, the, we see the wonderful story. I, I love the, the Christmas season. I, I, I love the Christmas music. I, I could listen to it 12 months out of the year. Even the old songs that um, the, the, the singers are with the Lord right now. But I just enjoy it so much. And so much of it points me to remember our Savior, Jesus Christ. But in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, we're told this, this story that would be pretty far-fetched to embrace if you didn't have something that caused you to have hope that it's so. We're told the story in chapter 1 and chapter 2 about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Well, we weren't there in Bethlehem. We weren't there when Jesus Christ was born. We weren't there when the Holy Spirit blessed Mary to be conceived of the Holy Ghost and to be born of the virgin birth. But we all believe it. Is it because you've just heard it over and over and over again that you embrace that? We don't have the evidence that because we weren't there and we can't see that it happened. We read God's word and God's word is an evidence that it happened. But it takes something more than that. We weren't there when Jesus Christ was laid in the tomb. And when Mary and the others went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and... And they said, where is he? He's not here. I mean, it would be logical that someone stole his body. That would be a logical explanation. But we've heard the account that Jesus Christ himself declared that he arose. Yet we weren't there to witness it. But we believe it and we embrace it. We haven't yet been to heaven but we're told that Jesus Christ is in heaven and he is preparing a home for us there and that he himself is going to come back and take us home to glory. But we've not witnessed it, but we believe it. If you believe those things, I want to give you, I want to encourage you that that's a, a great deal of evidence that you're a child of God. And that the Spirit of God is dwelling within you. And that you have this wonderful, wonderful gift that Brother Cook mentioned in his prayer. Because of not, you don't have the faith because you believe those things. But you believe those things because you have the faith that God has given you on the inside. Faith. 
is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So, what keeps us from just giving up? What keeps us from being overcome with despair and overwhelmed? What keeps us from just going around depressed and sad and discouraged all the time? I mean, there's certainly enough around us to, that, that, would, that could direct our way of thinking that way. But what is it that keeps us from just being in that frame of mind all the time? It's this wonderful gift that God has given each one of us called faith. Now, Sister Vicki, we're not going to need faith when we get to heaven because we're going to see it with our eyes and with our sight. But Sister Vicki told me the other day, she said, you know, with my problem that I'm facing, everything's going to be all right. wonder what made her know that. It's because God blessed her with faith. It is. So, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we can read right here, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We might attempt to convince somebody based on the evidence that's in the Scriptures. And we might even win our position for a short time. But for somebody to really embrace it and it make a difference in their life, they've got to be blessed with faith. They've got to have faith in God. And that faith comes from God. Now he gives us some examples right here. In fact, he tells us in in verse 3, he says, it's through faith... That we understand Genesis chapter 1 that we just read. He says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What he's just simply saying right there is that this world came and it didn't happen as a result of the Big Bang Theory. It didn't. This world was Created by God. And he says, it's your faith that allows you to embrace and believe that. He says, he mentions some other examples right here. In verse 6, he says, by the way, he says, without faith, it's impossible to, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we can't serve God, we can't please God if we don't have faith. Then he starts out and he says, uh, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So, what is it that caused Noah in the midst of a world that 
truly at a minimum would question what he was doing about building an ark would give him the unction to do it in the midst of we think we're living in ungodly times and I'll tell you what Noah really was living in ungodly times and so much to the point that the Lord destroyed it by a flood and 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 and, and, and destroyed it all, but he spared Noah and he spared through the building of the ark. But what was it that caused Noah to believe God? We're told right here that Noah was blessed by God to have faith. And therefore, even in the midst of they had never experienced a flood like this before. They didn't have a reference point on it. But Noah believed God to the point that he built the ark and he was spared. It talks about Abraham. And it mentioned that Abraham was called to go to a place that he should receive an inheritance. And and he went not knowing whither he went. It says that he looked for a city whose builder and foundations and, and builder and maker is God. It talks about Sarah, how that she conceived with a child in her old age and even references the faith that that she had. It goes on down and and it talks about that that Abraham, that he took his only son, that he took Isaac, his son to be offered and that how that that was representative of Jesus Christ being offered, but that that Abraham took uh, Isaac to be offered. And he said that that Abraham had the faith that that if if he was to slay his son, that as they journeyed up the road, that if if he was to slay his son, that Abraham even had the faith that God could raise his son back up again. So faith doesn't always Describe or enlighten us to every step along the way. In fact, there's a whole lot of unknowns in front of us. We don't know what the rest of our life is going to be. We don't know if we're going to be spared the liberties that we have to worship God. We don't know what's between here And when God takes us home, we would all like to be, we'd all like to be like Sister Perry. I mean, as far as the end of our journey, Sister Perry lived her life. She lived to a wonderful age of 104. And and when the Lord got ready to take her home, she was sitting, looking out the window, took a big, deep breath and put her head down and went home to be with the Lord. What a great blessing that Sister Perry had that wonderful experience. We may not all experience that. We may experience a really difficult time. We may may have health issues. We may have financial issues. We may have uh, opponents that oppose us being able to worship God. I'm not trying to paint a dismal picture. But it's unusual to experience a life like Sister Perry had to the very end. But even if we experience some of these hardships or difficulties along the way, even if we don't know what lies ahead for us, we have something that's going to help us get through it. And it's going to help us get through and actually not just barely get through, 
But it's going to help us to be victorious as we get through. It says that these examples, they died in faith. I want to live by faith. And then when it comes my time to go and be with the Lord, I want to continue to lean on that faith that God's given me. Now, faith also reminds us of something. It tells us here that faith, it says these died in faith, not having received the promises, but seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, Christ had not in a bodily form They could be told of the coming Messiah. But you and I have the witnesses that saw Christ. And we also have God's word. And we have his promises that we can lean on ourselves. But here's something else that faith reminds us about. It says that they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out of, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But he says, now they desire a better country. Let me see if I can put it this way. Faith gives us Exactly what we need to get through this life. But faith also makes us aware that there's something that's lacking. It helps us and sustains us, and we can hold to the promises and we believe them. We live by faith, we walk by faith. But we realize as we're leaning on faith, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes my faith is really strong. And sometimes my faith gets really weak. Generally, the exercise of my faith is usually pretty strong on Sundays. But about Thursday, Friday, sometimes my faith gets a little bit weak. Generally, my faith is encouraged and strengthened when we've had a big church meeting and we've had three days of preaching and we've just soaked up the messages of God. Or when I've heard the hymns sung over and over again and they're embedded in my mind. But then sometimes I get toward the middle or latter part of the week and all these troubles around me on the outside and on the inside begin to weigh me down. And then sometimes I'll even ask, not very long, for a fleeting second, is it really real? Is it? Is it truly the way we believe that God said it is. And then shortly after, I'm reminded of the promises of God. 
And I'm reminded, oh yes, it certainly is. If you get a chance, listen to the message of Elder Bradley. Several of you told me this morning, you've already heard it. It was an extension of the last message of being thankful. It was so really, really good. It'll be a blessing to you. But he made the point on there, where else are we going to go? But to the Lord. That's our hope. That's our resource. That's our strength. Well, I'm going to touch on one example. There's a whole bunch of them here in chapter 11. But I want to touch on one that is kind of unique. It talks about Moses, starting with verse 23 of chapter 11. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Interesting. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Hmm. Let's go over and look at it a little bit more in detail for just a couple of minutes. Exodus chapter 1. Wonderful story right here. It said that the Egyptians in chapter 1, they were being... They were persecuting the children of Israel. And it says that the Israelites were multiplying in chapter 1. And so Pharaoh and the leaders became disturbed about it. They felt like that the Israelites were going to multiply to such a point that that maybe they would follow a different leader. And so they decided that we've got to, we've got to uh, hinder their growth and their multiplying. And it says that the Egyptians began to put heavy burdens upon them more and more. It said the taskmasters began to put heavy tasks and burdens upon the Israelites. And it it says something right here. And and this, I think, speaks volumes about God's people. It says, the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. Now, one of the things that describes the child of God in a general sense is that he's an afflicted individual. Before long, after God deals with him, he certainly knows that he's afflicted by sin. And he carries this affliction throughout his journey here in this life. But this affliction came from those that were opposing them and they began to place heavy burdens upon them. And it says the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. God's children are kind of used to affliction because they know they're an afflicted group, an afflicted sort. 
But it says they multiplied and they grew and so that caused more anxiety with Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh, it says, passed a law. Kind of ungodly law, very much ungodly. Sort of like some of the laws that we experience today. But he said, Pharaoh calls all the midwives together. Back then, that was, uh, that was uh, the common method of, of delivery was through midwives. And so Pharaoh calls the midwives together and he says to the midwives, um, you, you can read it here in chapter uh, 1, it says, it says, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and you see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. Now this is, as a child is being born, that if it was a son, Pharaoh, this was the uh, instruction that he gave. But if it be a daughter, she shall live. And But it says, but the midwives feared God. And so the midwives didn't implement what Pharaoh had told them to do. And Pharaoh calls them together again and questions the midwives. And, and they basically say it this way. This was their, their response to him. They said, the Hebrew women are lively women. That's how he described it. And he said, they said, by the time we get there, they've already delivered the child. The, the, uh, the man-child, the, the little boys have been born. And, and when we get there, they've already been born. And so, no doubt, there were many that were spared as the result of these midwives that feared God. But then it goes down to say that uh, it says um, that they continued, they grew, and they multiplied. But in chapter 2, it says that, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him there three months. Now, we see the example of the faith that is specifically brought out in Hebrews chapter 11 and referencing this point of the mother of Moses. So here's, here's how Moses' mother did what she did. And it's referenced and described in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that she saw that he was a son and it says she hid him three months. Now, Pharaoh had already given the, um, the charge that all, every son that's born should be cast into the river and every daughter saved alive, this ungodly charge that, that Pharaoh had made. But it says the mother of Moses hid him three months. And then it says that when she could no longer hide him, then it says that she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime, verse 3, and put Moses therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Now, 
Here is where you see the example of faith being made manifest. The mother of Moses knew that she could no longer hide Moses. And yet she knew that God had blessed him to be a, uh, a, a godly child. And she had a hope and an assurance that God was going to deliver. But she did not know how that God would deliver. And that's where faith kicks in. Is not knowing that God, how God will deliver, how God will lead, how God will sustain. But knowing that God can and he does and he's done it in the past. And he's given me promises that he's going to sustain me. And he's given me promises that he's going to provide for me and he's going to protect me. And we have those promises. And so faith kicks in and blesses us to be able to embrace it and realize that truly it's not just a bunch of words, but it truly is so. So she creates this little basket and puts... Moses in it and it says his sister stood afar off to see what would be done what would be done to him now I believe that God put that in her heart and gave her the assurance that somehow even though she did not know the rest of the story that somehow Moses was going to be all right So she puts him in the little basket and she is down by the river and his sister is standing afar off to witness what would happen to this little baby that's in the basket. And it just so happened. I don't necessarily believe that it just so happened. But I believe you can see the hand of God And what's so one of the great blessings about God is that he can work on all ends at the same time. That's pretty neat that he can he can work in families. He can work uh, in in other areas of our lives. He can work uh, at the time. I thought it was a uh, an environment. I had what I thought was a very overbearing boss been a long time ago and and maybe I needed an overbearing boss but I can remember that there were times that that I thought that it was just totally completely off the chart and I can remember there were times that I could take what I was dealing with and take it to the Lord and it was interesting to me to see how that God would change his heart I had a boss one time that that uh, had a very terrible vocabulary. And I can remember when I was in a setting, in an environment that, that I had to listen to it, that I would just cringe. And that was the way he expressed himself, was through a very ungodly vocabulary. And I can remember multiple times that it disturbed my soul... It quenched my spirit to the point 
that what I did is I talked to the Lord about it. The Lord already knew how it rubbed me the wrong way. And I talked to the Lord about it. And I can tell you how that God would change what He would say around me. Now, I don't know if He knew I was talking to the Lord, but I believe that the Lord directed His thinking. May not have stopped it altogether, but it stopped around me. And I simply just talked to the Lord about it. There are many, many things in life that you and I will never fix, but God can. And there's many things that you may think that you don't have any influence, but I want to remind you, you know somebody that does, and that is the Lord. And so when you have a situation that you're disturbed, you talk to the Lord about it and you give it to the Lord. And then you embrace and have faith that God will see you through. But talk to the Lord. Just go to the Lord. No doubt Moses' mother was talking to the Lord. I want to just summarize. I forgot my my watch and so... I don't have the sermon written out on my phone, but um, but I do have a clock on here, and it says that it's past 12, so I'll wrap it up. But I want you to see what happened. This is so neat to see how God delivered. You can read this yourself in Exodus chapter 1, chapter 2. It's really, really good. So Moses is in this river, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river. Now keep in mind, the little boys were to be, their lives were to be taken. But this daughter of Pharaoh comes down and she sees this little basket. And she goes over to the basket. He's about three months old at the time. And she goes over to the basket and she looks in the basket and she sees this little child. And all of a sudden, the heart of Pharaoh's daughter was tendered toward Moses. Now the story just gets better. It does. Keep in mind, the mother of Moses is standing over on the sidelines. The sister, keep in mind, they exercised a great measure of faith to even put him in the basket and to go away. And sometimes there's some things in our life that we experience that we've got to put them in the basket and let the Lord take care of it. And sometimes God takes care of it far better than what we would. Now keep in mind, if Moses' mother had kept Moses a bit longer, that she'd have had to just continue to try to hide him and raise him in some degree of obscurity. But look at what happens. Moses is in this little basket, and Pharaoh's daughter, who Pharaoh's the one that passed this law to destroy all the little boys, but... The daughter of Pharaoh went over and saw the little boy in the basket, Moses, and her heart was tendered. And then Moses' sister witnessed it. And she sees the compassion that the daughter of Pharaoh has upon this little baby. And she goes over to her and she says, Well, aren't you going to need somebody to help you take care of him? 
And she says, oh yeah, I do. And she went, and it says fetched. This was the sister. She went and fetched of all the people that she could get to take care of him. She went and fetched the mother of Moses. And so the mother of Moses was able to come into Pharaoh's court and continue raising and rearing her own little boy. And it went on to say, in addition, as she had done it for free, you know, most moms work for free. Isn't that right, Sister Vicki? Most moms work for free. In fact, I'd say just about all moms work for free. In fact, we're probably way in debt to moms, at least moms I know. We've got a great big debt that we've incurred. But you want to know something? That the mother of Moses was able to care for her son. And it says she even received wages for doing it. Now, that's how God works things out. When we try to work them out, it doesn't usually work real well. When we try to figure it out, or chart our course, or determine our path, usually we're disappointed. But when we remember that God has given us this wonderful, wonderful element that we embrace, as you mentioned, it's a wonderful gift. It's called faith. We're not going to need it in heaven, but we sure do need it here. And it helps us, especially when we look around and there's so much that's unsettled. There's one thing that is settled, and it's the faith that God gives us. Now, our faith is to be strengthened and exercised and utilized in God. We need to read His Word. We need to hear the songs sung. We need to hear the messages preached. And God will bless the faith that we have to be strengthened and to grow. We walk by faith and not by sight. May God bless you.